I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they may be even better for adults. Yes. This week, The Boggart by Susan Cooper. Yay. <laughs> Sound of crashing dishes being flung yeah. across the kitchen and at a, a bad man. And a child getting hit by a bus. <laughs> there, yeah, I, off the bat, I'll just say this book is like so sweet, so fun, such a romp. And there are disturbing moments of violence yep. as well. Yep, there is some... The threat of a young girl being institutionalized and studied against her will yeah for Um, her quote-unquote psychic powers (laughs) it's pretty grim stuff uh, good stuff um even though it mostly takes place in canada famously a place of typically a little bit more calm than we get here in the old us of a yeah there's one point at which someone is like getting mad at them in like scotland maybe and Mm -hmm. they're like oh we're not americans we're canadians (laughs) and that diffuses the situation (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh boy i know yeah that that was amazing (laughs) yeah just like same (laughs) i wish i could say i was canadian yeah anyway this book is new to us we read it for the first time we didn't read Susan Cooper as kids for some really weird reason. I don't I don't know. Um, but we wanted to do a Halloween special. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. This is going to be coming out the day before. Um, we are feeling very spooky, so spooky, that we both went to Halloween parties last night. <laughs> and we still have various... Um, paints and makeups and whatnot <laughs> lingering on our bodies and are both feeling a little silly yeah. um, so get ready for some boggarty mischief and it's my birthday and it's Birthday. She is a magnificent Halloween baby, a dragon baby, and a Halloween baby. Um, so powerful, like oh. to have those two rolled up in one. I just, I'm honored to be with you. I feel very special. Let's uh, let's dive right in. Yeah, shall we? How do we do a podcast? I don't know. Let's <laughs> what find is out. Pod? Um, this book was published in 1993, and it. As we said, is mostly set in Canada, but also in Scotland. And I love the parts in Scotland. I yeah. I was so ready for like a spooky Scottish castle book, and then I was like, "And we're back in Canada, and they're leaving." <laughs> <laughs> they went back to Toronto. <laughs> An amazing bait and switch. Before we get into it, we do thoroughly spoil every book that we cover, so if you would like to revisit this or haven't read it before, scamper along. This is more middle grade than YA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a quick read. There's a really great audiobook um, yeah. on Audible and an ebook widely available, so it's pretty easy to find. Madeline's going to break down how the publisher chose to package and promote this book. I do need to say, first of all, that if you haven't seen the first edition cover for this, I urge you to look it up. We will post it with this episode, um, so you'll be able to see it for yourself. Uh, But Bonkers' first editions are just like a special little niche that as we've gone on in the pod, I've really fallen in love with, Um, especially for fantasy and and YA and middle grade fantasy. Um, Just like 
why not? Why not make three gaunt, terrified-looking people? Who... It looks like a horror novel. No, yeah, no, one hundred percent. They were trying to make it really scary. In fact, a lot of the covers make this look very spooky, and it's not a scary book no, at all. No, no. <laughs> sorry. Please proceed. So this is a. It's like navy green background and then we have some it's uh, the aladdin fantasy edition mm -hmm. and we have a motif like at at the top and bottom that looks celtic knots and then there's some like angry cats in there (laughs) just looking at it like wow that's good (laughs) interesting madeline's being transported Um, we have the bug art written in some pretty fun font, um, in like gold. And then the picture is there's like a square, uh, painting in mm-hmm. the middle of the cover. And there is a seal, a very grumpy, seal. a grumpy <laughs> seal with many rolls. Yeah. <laughs> Splendid. Yeah. And he is like, like little snout (laughs) he's just like sitting on some rocks in water and then there's a fish like magnificently breaching i don't know if the seal is gonna go for the fish he seems kind of indifferent well do you see what's between the two animals oh the boggart's there it's done in a very subtle way and his feet are more apparent than the rest of his body um, okay but the boggart is like messing with the fish i think <laughs> I yeah think he's holding it he he is yeah okay that that makes a lot of sense discovery is abound <laughs> yeah yeah um so i think that's pretty cool that it's like a magic eye thing yeah madeline missed the first time <laughs> and i like how the uh castle like is his little like crown or hair or whatever. Right. The Boggart is becoming castle keep. You can like kind of make out his face, but uh-huh. it's also a sort of trompe l'oeil. It's a ca- both a castle and a face. It's really cool. I love yeah. this. I love this hard. Yeah. And he does appear to be like waving the fish around and that's what it's doing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> mischief varies. Sometimes it's just holding a fish, I guess. The seal is still so over it, though. I know. He is unimpressed. But, yeah, this is the Boggart's home. This is where he feels comfy. Yeah. I I like this cover. Um, I like the busyness of it in, like, a, you know, because the drawing style is, like, it feels more realistic than, mm-hmm. like, something that's uh, computer animated. Mm-hmm. Um because that's just what I'm partial to on fantasy book covers. Yes. I don't know how... I'm just curious if this, like, appeals to the right people. I agree. I think all of the covers for this book are confused in their audience, their intended audience. Um, they're, They're either trying to make the book, like we mentioned, look very eerie, Mm -hmm. or now there seems to be... A, a newer cover that is done in a very, very much like a children's book style. Okay. Um, that's really bright colors and objects floating around um, with the children below 
oh my gosh, I don't know how I did this, but suddenly the first edition cover is just gigantic and opened on my computer. I wasn't even looking at it. Did you make it it your background? (laughs) Oh, I just took a picture of both of us. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I'm being haunted. Um, Oh my God, I can't close it. (laughs) Okay, wow. This is the rest of this episode. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I'm just trapped with this cover. Um, Yeah, so I see that now they're trying to, I think, get more at the actual tone of the book. Um, The the newer cover, also the kids are like, hey, this is crazy. They're both smiling and have their hands over their heads like, oh, no, stuff's going to fall on us. But also, I'm having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) And that does seem a little more accurate to what actually happens in this book. But it's also just a weird book. I mean, it's... The the main character, the bogger, doesn't mm-hmm. talk. Um, we get we get a glimpse into his inner life, um, but it's pretty it's pretty boggarty. You know, he just wants to you know do crimes. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just a little gremlin guy, but but not yeah. not serious crimes. He wants to wreak gentle havoc on the people around him and he sees that yes mischief he sees that as his purpose in existing Mm -hmm. um but he's also very sad he misses his former housemate who dies at the beginning of the book um and his and his dog yeah that was brutal also just dies just die he like his master dies and then he's just he we just get lies the, down and we dies. get the dog's perspective as the dog realizes he's his master has died and then he just lays down next to him and dies yep that's how the book opens yeah i um, was that that is not what i was expecting at the very beginning of this book i was actually kind of like what what's happening yeah that's that's where we're definitely getting more of like the dark is rising susan cooper yeah <laughs> coming in. um and then he accidentally leaves scotland and he really misses scotland and wants to go home so i don't know all of this is to say it's a weird book i understand why the covers are generally pretty confused i think it's also funny that most of them are like scotland castle moody and then we go to Toronto. Yeah, like 10% of the book maybe happens in Scotland. There are some phone calls to Scotland. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> And people marveling at how good the connection is. It's a very 1993 thing. Yes, there are plenty of very 1993 things. Yeah, I'm in... very, very excited to talk about uh, computers and the role yeah. that they play. Yeah, this kid um, who has, I think he's like, oh yeah, I have this $1,000 computer and it's 93 and he's a child. I I wonder at their financial situation yeah. throughout the book. Yeah. Like they have an antique store and then the father is a theater director. Like he's in charge of a troupe. <laughs> A quirky truth. <laughs> no, I mean, amazing. I want that to be my life. But those aren't things that are really bringing in the bucks. And they neither of them are. They explicitly say that they can't even afford a trip to Scotland to look at the castle that they've inherited. But then there's a really fancy computer. I don't know. I don't know where the money's coming from. Okay, we're <laughs> so out of control today. Um, no, why don't we get to a plot summary? Where's your computer money, buddy? 
This book is about a boggart, as we mentioned. He is a classic boggart. He just wants to, again, do gentle mischief and gentle crimes. Mm -hmm. And he has lived in a foreboding castle in Scotland called Castle Keep and has been there for like centuries, um, at least as long as the castle has existed. Yeah. Um, but we get, uh, we get a moment. His Roman empire <laughs> is the literal Roman empire because he was there. Um, so he's been around for all of time. It kind of <laughs> feels like <laughs> several thousand years at the least. Yes. He has been living there with the McDevins, like the lineage, um, there's always been a McDevon in the castle, it seems. Mm -hmm. And the, the final McDevon, as we mentioned, dies pretty quickly. But the Boggart loved that McDevon, mm -hmm. and he is trying to figure out, like, what's next for him, mm -hmm. sort of, but also just mourning. Um, he also sleeps a lot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it is an amazing point that's used for like various plot purposes throughout the book. And it's like, well, the um, situation's not happening now. The Boggart's asleep. It's just like, okay, great. He's part cat <laughs> just awakes and he gets does tired. Yeah. Um, and so this family, meanwhile, in Toronto, the Volnicks, find out that they've inherited Castle Keep um, through, I don't know, some like forgotten Scottish relatives. Yeah. And the uh, family comes to check out the castle, but also kind of just settle the estate because mm -hmm. they're not going to be inhabiting it. Um, unlike the much more interesting man who comes along at the end of the book and is like, well, I'm making this my life now. Yeah, um, which is what I thought they were going to do. <laughs> <laughs> the Volnicks really throw us for a loop. Yep. They come, the two kids in the family, Emily and Jessup, uh, great name, yeah. <laughs> um, come and are so excited. They're like, Scotland Adventures is going to be the best. And then their dad is like, time to go home. <laughs> um, and as they go home, they take the bogger with them by mistake yeah. because they're bringing a roll top desk back with them. And the bogger's sleeping in it. <laughs> He's falling asleep. What a mess. The bogger is realizing he's in Canada and very unhappy. But then he's like, wait, I've been living in this rotting castle with an old man who had had no electricity mm -hmm. um, and was taking a boat once a week to get like meager groceries. Yeah. Um, very low key. And now he's in the modern world and he gets to enjoy things like peanut butter and ice cream mm. and hot fudge and he gets to be around kids and he is pretty into it. So he messes about, um, gets the kids in trouble increasingly. So mm -hmm. a creepy doctor who's also like a corporate shill that vibes um shows up dr stigmore and he is insisting that the paranormal events that are taking place and the telekinetic energy mm -hmm. are 
due to Emily being disturbed yeah. um, because she's a teen girl. And uh, that's not cool. <laughs> um, that's, that's no good. Historically accurate yeah. <laughs> in terms of the way that young women are treated in situations like that where there's some inexplicable phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You're just on your period. <laughs> Somebody is being a see you next Tuesday. (laughs) So the family is struggling. The Boggart is having a good time, but also feeling really far away from Scotland and very confused about life in general. Mm. The children slowly realize what the Boggart is and that it's there. That also took longer than I expected. Yeah. And I thought they would be able to like work together more. But first of all, the Boggart only speaks Gaelic. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's hard. Yeah. That's that's a tough one. (laughs) Um. And he's mostly interested in eating and then, you know, in his mind, creating fun mischief for the family. But the fun mischief is ruining their lives and also leads to Emily getting hit by a car um, and going to the hospital and breaking her leg. Yep. (laughs) Bad stuff. Yep. So... Eventually, the children are aware of the boggart. They learn from some, like, quirky guys at the theater where their dad works. They're very useful for exposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're, and they're Scottish? Or one is English and one, one of Scottish? them knows Gaelic. Yeah. I think one of them is actually Scottish. And they're, like, Shakespearean-type yeah. actors. Um, and so he gives them some information and they start to realize that not only is the Boggart there with them, but he's also trying to get home. The Boggart then goes into Jessup's computer. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. He pops right in there. <laughs> because Jessup is a little computer whiz and he is a part of a computer club and they're making their own video game called black hole, which is exactly what it sounds like. Yep. Um, very funny when Jessup describes it and he's like, we figured out how to make the black hole, but we don't know anything about it yet. And the way he talks about creating the game, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I know. I know. If you have any knowledge of programming, it yeah. would be very frustrating. It, yeah. It's... But the game itself seems to be like magic. I mean, yeah. they created a black hole, like an actual black hole yeah. in a computer program. Which is dangerous. That's bad. <laughs> and the Boggart goes into the black hole mm-hmm. in the game. Yep. <laughs> he gets stuck there. And then they figure out that what they have to do is send the game to Scotland. Mm-hmm. So they send it to a boy named Tommy who they met briefly when they were there. Um, at first they were very rude to him and saying things like, you have computers in Scotland? And he's like, okay, F off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then he like has a little crush on Emily and mm-hmm. they become friends. They have been communicating about the Boggart through letter and brief 3 a.m. phone calls due to the time difference. So they decide to send the Boggart to Tommy. Um, how do they figure out how to get the Boggart out, though? 
Do you because remember? Because they, they go in the black hole themselves. Right. Okay. That's the other piece I forgot. Yeah. Um, they have a like handyman who who's like <laughs> really struggling. <laughs> The handyman goes in the black hole. I'm the handyman. I'm the highway. <laughs> um, and he, yeah, he like helps out at their house, but their mom is really mean to him and is like, go back to school. She literally calls him a cokehead at one point. She is so mean to him. She is awful. And I was very surprised when cocaine uh, was referenced <laughs> in this book. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Middle grade. I <laughs> no, I was like, yeah, I just, it also brought me back in a wonderful way to what like kids' books used to be. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I will always remember being in fifth grade and our teacher was reading us a book at, um, you know, like for like half an hour each day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we read it over the course of the quarter. And the cat in the book is named SOB. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Every name. time our teacher said it, she was like, SOB. And we were like, ah, what's that? And she was like, quiet. <laughs> um, just amazing stuff. And it was a book for children. Like, it was a middle grade chapter book. Um, I wish I could remember what it was. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so Billy helps them. They go into the black hole. They, like, get the boggart out question mark it's all very confusing and computery but then they realize they can put him onto a separate disc yes and send that to tommy they put him on a floppy disk. they put him on a floppy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they send him to scotland so i guess the bug art really is you know does not require more than half a gigabyte or whatever well right <laughs> i know it's very that's, small file size that's actually probably way too high for like 93 way too yeah. high yeah <laughs> no i know i don't remember the capacity of a floppy disk small um, not much yeah. yeah that's why you had a whole book of them mm-hmm. you know you had to have all your assignments you install the game <laughs> using like 10 of them one at a time oh my god okay so they send him. There's like lots of mischief that happens around the floppy disk because it heads there. But it gets to Tommy. He lets the boggart out, and the boggart returns to Castle Keep, where he finds the man I mentioned earlier who bought the castle, and then decided, okay, I am going to make this my whole life. And mm-hmm. he like gets a dog, which the boggart's really happy about. And it's Bogart a puppy. So the boggart's yeah. like, yay, I'm gonna have so much fun scaring this puppy. That's this is what <laughs> I would do if I got a castle. I would stay there. 100%. Especially in Scotland. Yeah. And, and the guy's like, it, yeah, I'll put the work into it. Like, we'll mm-hmm. get electricity going. It's going to be safer and cozier. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to be a castle guy. Yeah. Uh, so the Boggart is delighted that he'll have new friends. Yeah. Um, okay. Did I miss anything super important? Not to my ears. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> The Wikipedia entry has a very long summary of Cymbeline, the Shakespearean play that they're putting on at huh. the theater. That's actually the majority of <laughs> the entry. <laughs> uh, whoever edited this, I love you. <laughs> yep, chef's kiss. <sighs> so, new impressions as this book is new to us. 
<laughs> the first thing when I was listening to this that I was like, oh, I'm going to bring that up was when, <laughs> was when the, um, the bugger, he wants to do something nice. Mm-hmm. So he makes a, a PBJ mm-hmm. and he like just slathers it in PB and J, which is how I like my PB and J's. Like while I'm eating it, there's like gobs of jelly and peanut butter coming out. <laughs> See, and I am the opposite. If there, I need my proportions to be just right to the point that I can't really eat a PBJ, PB&J made by someone else. I, I have to make it myself. Um, not that like people are lining up to make PB&Js for me, um, but when my sweet husband makes me a sandwich or makes me some toast with PB&J, I'm disappointed. Oh, goodness. I'll never know. He doesn't listen. <laughs> I mean, am I... Uh necessary proportions is just that there has to be as much of the condiments as there is bread oh my god (laughs) yeah and you guys might think that that means like appropriate amounts no madeline means literally like the mass of the bread is going to be equal (laughs) to the mass of the filling Uh, (laughs) and the bogart makes it with his hands um with a fistful of peanut butter Mm -hmm. um yeah it's described as looking like saturn (laughs) the santa yes (laughs) yes because there's just like glob of peanut butter jelly kind of oozing down and then the bread is the rings of saturn like going out around the edges so i thought that was great well, but we didn't even mention what he does with the sandwich. Oh, he puts it on his chair. Yes. Right? He yeah. decides that the place that Jessup is most likely to notice this lovely gift that he's made for him is on his computer chair. Yeah. And then we get a great moment of Jessup going in his room in the dark at night and like sitting down in his chair to work on something and then being like, oh, no. <laughs> Something's wrong. What has happened to me? (laughs) (laughs) And that's such a classic. Like, if that had happened in our house growing up, the extent to which, like, an ongoing investigation would take place about which of us was responsible and the fingers that would be pointed, the chaos that that would unleash. Like, I don't think it's an exaggeration that the family is, like, destroyed by this. (laughs) By this. (laughs) Because it's such a combination of, like, waste of food, Mm -hmm. um, mean thing done to another sibling, Mm -hmm. mess being made in room. Like, it's all the class. Yeah. That you Hitting would all get in trouble for. <laughs> um, and we we talked about this already, but I I had such whiplash when it was like, yay, they got to Scotland, like Scotland book. We're gonna be in this castle. Mm-hmm. There's a I was so ready. Like, The audiobook narrator is Scottish, I think. Yeah. Um, his voice was beautiful, and but he'd only break out his Scottish accent when we were in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. And there's literally like two lines. All of a sudden, it's like we're going back to Toronto. <laughs> they're gone. They're out. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> did not expect Uh, yeah it's um uh, yeah i'll just repeat again a weird book um i'm just trying to look up the david rintoul is the narrator um yeah very good yeah i i mean i was delighted by this book i had a great time reading it 
I loved the theater subplot and the being in a theater and what a dream to be a kid who is into theater and getting to like be backstage and be friends with the costume designer who's like helping you with your special vampire costume for Halloween. I know. Yeah. I was like, good choice. I know. Good choice. choice. <laughs> our, our little sister was a vampire or is a vampire for Halloween. She looks so cute. I've been a vampire for most Halloweens since I was a teenager. And also the days in between Halloween. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> there are similarities. Halloween baby. We said it. You, know, you guys know what to expect. It's, it's only natural. And when we were growing up, Madeline's birthday parties were the best because everyone would just put on costumes. Mm-hmm. Kids would come over. We would... Uh, hit a pinata. Yep. 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 Eat a bunch of candy, and like, what? What's better than that? Yep. 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 Nothing. No. Um, my mother-in-law yesterday was <laughs> sitting. Okay, I was sewing my costume. Little tangent, but it's worth it. I promise. <laughs> I was sewing my costume. I was Lapis Lazuli from Steven Universe. Nobody got it. It's fine. (laughs) Um, My toxic trait is thinking that everyone in the world has seen every cartoon that I love. So, um, and she was sitting on the ground next to me carving a pumpkin um, somewhat reluctantly. She hadn't carved her pumpkin yet. And so you forced her to. (laughs) You're like, Renee, you have to get on the ground. (laughs) And... Like, apropos of nothing, Renee looked up at me and said, you know, Halloween, it was, it was and is a very challenging time to be a, a mom because you're either the bad mom who lets your kids just go crazy on candy or you're the mean mom that won't let them have it. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> is she talking about you and Josiah? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, Renee, are you going to take away my trick or treat yeah. bag? <laughs> are you going to put it in your closet? <laughs> and the, uh, I mean, the approach to candy in our house was that we would squirrel it away in pillowcases and then our dad would eat it. So And me. And also, <laughs> Madeline, speaking of boggards wreaking havoc <laughs> in homes. Yeah. But, okay, all of this is to say... The book did bring out a lot of fun childhood memories for me. Like, I loved the Halloween sequence where Jessup is in trouble for supposedly... Well, what... I don't even remember what he's in trouble for at that point because the Boggart does so much. <laughs> and so Emily and Jessup are just, like, constantly under... Like, they're grounded. Um, so Jessup isn't allowed to go trick-or-treating but his friends come to cheer him up and they also like scare children away so that he doesn't have to be handing out candy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a strat. And then their mom has put on a costume to like make him feel better. I, yeah, I don't um, know how that <laughs> thought sequence went. Yeah, I was... Um, but the Boggart thinks that she's the Calic Burr, um, sorry for that pronunciation, um, who is a mystical blue hag said to frequent parts of the Scottish Highlands. (laughs) So he like loses his mind because he's like... actually dress up as? I think she was, um, the Wicked Witch of the West, right? So she had like green face paint on. Oh, okay. Okay. Um... 
Yeah, I think. Maybe I missed that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, Blue, is she Ice King? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, before his creation. Yep, yep. Pre-Ice King, Ice King. <laughs> um, and the, that's when we get this really sweet intent from the Boggart of protecting the Volniks and mm-hmm. their home and, like, the sanctity of it. Yeah. Because he's like, the Caliber has stalked me here from Scotland. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get at some of the, like, ancient, legendary pieces of the Boggart. Yeah. It also made me wonder if there are other, like, Boggarts in his life. It doesn't really seem that there are, but clearly he's, like, familiar with other spirits and, like, lore. Um, Perhaps because... It seems like a a kind of lonely existence. Yeah, like, if they're specifically supposed to be tied to a place or Mm -hmm. family, they're that... Bogart, right? There's not like two of them, right? Around. So he can't, yeah, go and hang, hang out, out with <laughs> other Bogarts. <laughs> um, but the Bogart feels emotions. Mm. I mean, he's he's actually like pretty moody in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Um, and at the beginning of the book, is in like a sadness fugue state because yeah. the dog and the McDevon have passed. No um, bummer. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it, and it also does seem like he, he loves being around people, not just to inflict mischief, but he likes observing them. Um, and he loves the theater and has an amazing time putting on an absurd light show that then leaves the text so like envious and baffled and being like, our lights did that. We have to be able to replicate it. Yeah. And they just can't do it. Um, yeah. So like, there's a lot of joy in this book mm-hmm. and yeah, I think the way that it made me specifically nostalgic for like some of the funniest parts of childhood, mm. um, I really, really appreciated. Yeah, no, I I like this book a lot. For for some reason, I don't know if it's just like the mention of some like Celtic slash Gallic mm-hmm. uh, folk creatures, um, but this book made me think of the the Folk Keeper. Yeah, um, which I adore that book so much. What if the Folk Keeper were written like the Boggart, <laughs> or vice versa? Yeah, but because that book is just like, oh, it's incredible. But like the sense of dread that fills you with every page. Yeah, yeah it, it reminds me of like a um, uh, Shirley um, mm, Hill House. Her, yeah, what's her last name? Um, I don't remember. Jackson. Shirley Jackson. It reminds me okay. of like a Shirley Jackson sort of vibe. Yeah. No, it's very, very yeah. like haunted and haunting. Yeah. We covered the folk keeper back at like the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. It was so, a while ago because it was one of my favorite yeah. like why fantasies. So you can of check that out if y'all want to hear more. Um, yeah. But for some reason, mm. the Boggart made me think of the folk, even though they're like so different. Yeah. And, you know, they do. But there is that piece of ancientness that and I the mentioned mischief, because one and of the, the things mischief, that yeah. the folk do when they're angry is that they'll they like curdle milk mm-hmm. or spoil eggs mm-hmm. so it is like kind of a similar mischief vibe and I thought of the Bogart looking like one of the folk uh which was a little frightening scary yeah <laughs> just kept remembering the line saying like the folk were mostly mouth <laughs> 
so that would make this book read very differently if you picture the Boggart as like an unspeakable horror. <laughs> Aesthetically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but yep, that happened for some reason. That's amazing. Yeah, I am. So I know there is a sequel to this. The next one is The Boggart and the Monster, which came out in 97. And then very recently in 2018, she decided to write another, The Boggart Fights Back. Um, So he does get out there and have more adventures. And what I was about to say is, I'm assuming those books are set in Scotland. I mean, I'm certain of it. Because The Boggart went back to Scotland. Yeah. And it it is really funny. Okay, so I found, like, my new favorite website. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll link to it in the episode description. Um, Markscott.f9.co.uk backslash The Lost Land um, that was made, like, conservatively 40 years ago um and is so beautiful it's it's just a very loving site dedicated to the work of susan cooper um oh they said here it first appeared in february 97 that's when they okay um launched the site um so yeah wrath of the gods era Yes, you know, we've we've talked about Wrath of the Gods. Um, what episode did we like really get into it? The Arcadians, probably. Yeah, um, probably. So check that out if you're curious. Um, but this website is so beautiful. It's got it's like full on GeoCities vibes, um, and it has all this gorgeous Celtic artwork. Um, and they have an interview with Susan Cooper, who has given this site her blessing, where they say. Why would someone so English move to America? <laughs> I just keep thinking about that. It was really fascinating having a book that not only is about Canadians um, mm-hmm. at all, because I, I don't think we've covered any books set in Canada. Um, and Susan Cooper is also not Canadian. <laughs> um, and I think it's fun, like feeling out what a Canadian sort of fantasy might feel like. And the book is very tech heavy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to talk about the computer piece because I think this is another piece of it that made me feel really nostalgic for fun parts of childhood. Um, the like joy and wonder of computers mm-hmm. at that point. And the very simple games that you could play on them, which were very, very fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, we both, we both love, we both love computers. I Um, spend a lot of time. Built her own gaming PC and I do web design. That's my job. And Um, even though, even though I built it like six or seven years ago, I got a GTX 1070 and it runs Baldur's Gate like a dream. And there's the Baldur's Gate mission <laughs> that I knew was coming. Play Baldur's Gate. Yeah, if anyone wants to talk to Madeline <laughs> about Baldur's Gate, she would very much like to talk about it with you. So you all can, I'm trying right now DM is us. fan art. Please help me. You can DM us on Instagram at Dragon Babies Podcast. The way in which the computer becomes more and more important as the story goes on, which I wasn't super expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the Boggart, th- this horrifying scene when the children are watching the Boggart inside the computer, which they realize is the Boggart because it's blue and it's a black and white monitor. Because it's 1993. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like a black and white monitor. 
Wow. (laughs) Who needs color? (laughs) Forget about it. (laughs) That's too complicated. Um, And the Boggart actually going into the black hole and the children, I mean, while I was, like I said, annoyed by the (laughs) way this program works, um, I also felt swept up in the like, the Boggart's gone. The black hole ate him. He's in the black hole now. In the black hole, and Emily being like, Jessup, can't you fix it? Like, you made this game, and he's like, We learned how to make the black hole, but we don't know how it works. <laughs> like, What's happening? I guess we don't totally know how, or mostly. So, there's computer magic taking place, too, um, which I do really enjoy. Any Anytime there's a reference to someone going into a black hole, I, all I can think of is spaghettification, which is the scientific term for what going into a black hole would do to your body. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so I just thought of the fucker as a pile of flesh spaghetti. I also enjoy that Emily and Jessup are both, they're like nerdy, but they're not persecuted for their nerdiness Mm. like emily loves theater and she her future job is to save the whales um which she mentions a few times good Um, luck and as someone who was very similar to that as a child um and uh did a whole oral presentation for one of my high school science classes about why everyone should be a vegetarian um did you get booed People didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) They were not fans. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when I was like, and here's my slideshow of factory farm pictures. Everyone was like, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, and I was persecuted for my (laughs) beliefs. But I appreciated that they're not bullied and like Jessup has his sweet little band of computer heads and they're making their video game called Black Hole. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, it's very sweet. Like I feel like the kids in this universe, this like version of reality are allowed to just be themselves. And maybe that's some of the Canadianness creeping in when you think about it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline is refusing to engage in like thematic analysis. <laughs> we're we're technically French Canadian by heritage, but I don't know Jack about Canada culture really. Okay. Well, I do. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um sidebar, I'd like everyone to look up Boggart on Wikipedia, the actual entry about the creature. There is a very upsetting drawing um, that someone <laughs> made um, of uh, it's a pencil illustration of a Boggart from 2018 based in part. Oh, okay. They don't even have the artist's name. So someone made this to put on the Wikipedia page. It seems to me. Um, and it, Madeline, is this... <laughs> Wait, where is this picture? Uh, on Boggart, the Boggart entry. It's the f- like s- first image, at least on desktop. Wikipedia is giving me a donation ad. Here. I oh. donate to you monthly. I'll send it to you. Oh my God, I just almost texted this picture of the Boggart to the 
Halloween party thread for the party I went to last night. Yay. <laughs> Remember me? <laughs> this is what I look like. We'll put this up with the episode dragonbabiespodcast.com Did you as send it well. To yes. Yeah. It's, it should be there. Um, it's, Whoa. <laughs> it is a, a man whoa, whoa, in whoa. a like, diaper um, with a very hairy stomach whoa, whoa, whoa. and satanic <laughs> eyes. Um, this is making me think of Uzumaki for some reason. Because <laughs> of like, the distended nature yeah, of, of the his limbs. form. Yeah. And there's like a little jack-in-the-box clown because who doesn't love the jack-in-the-box clown? I, know, I can't tell if that's um, just like to establish the scene because he's in a nursery like looming over a child. Um, I'm actually kind of impressed by this drawing because it's extremely unsettling. Yeah, it's messed up. Um, Wikipedia his, his eyes. Yes, something for everyone. Oh my gosh! Um, saving this for inspo, <laughs> drawing inspo. <laughs> yeah, no, that image is scarier than anything that happens in this book. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's good. I, I like a I like a mischievous spook, something that isn't going to make me feel scared. I like feeling scared, but there's a time and a place for everything, and I think this. I think this book is, it's one that I would recommend young readers check out um, just because it is so weird and it also is such a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think of like our eight-year-old sister reading this and being like, floppy disk? Yeah. <laughs> what is, heck is any of this stuff? She's grown up with an iPad. Yeah, like the computer scenes, um, I imagine, are just so baffling to someone even like 10 years younger than mm-hmm. me. Um yeah, so lots to enjoy. It is weird, though. That's that's my, like, main takeaway. This book is very strange. Um, and it's funny going from the only Susan Cooper books I've read being The Dark is Rising sequence mm-hmm. um, to this. And I guess I was expecting something a little bit more like those books in tone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was delighted to find that it was a weird little romp instead. Yeah. Oh gosh, and we haven't talked about Dr. Stigmore, who's like the actual antagonist yeah. of the book. Um I I thought I thought it was really well done. The the like he's the only frightening thing. Mm-hmm. Um like even when the Boggart is they have no idea what's happening and he's like making furniture dance and he makes these creepy old dolls stand up um and dance. <laughs> That's a good one. And as the dance is being described, they're like lurching back and forth and going one way and then the other. I was like, oh my God, it's so cute that the bugger is like, this will cheer them up. This is fun. And Emily's like, oh God, what's happening? Um, Doug, I, I thought it was well done that this like creepy guy who is has like a gross fixation with a 12 year old girl and her mental health yeah. and clearly is not interested even even if he thinks this is all being done by her he's not interested in helping her no. he wants to exploit her and study her and he's connected to the like local rag um that's sort of a national inquirer type thing that's also connected to this 
horrible sounding TV show mm. um, that's about like unexplained phenomena. Um, so he's also trying to cash in. And the way that he just like keeps showing up is very unsettling. And the children call him the creep. Um, but their mom seems to be like, okay, whatever, Dr. Stigmore, like, maybe, yeah, the mom is maybe you can help. Maggie has terrible is a disaster. protective instincts. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Mm. Um, and he, the most disturbing part of the book is after Emily is hit by a car and then he shows up in her hospital room while she is recovering. No boy, no. To like try to get her to like really talk to him. And he tries to get her like transferred to his unit. Like it's very very gross yeah very um, like it just comes across as like he's a predator i know yeah, <laughs> yeah. no i know he was he was really frightening um but that also i think really hearkened to yeah the way i mean i i was like stranger dangered to the gills when i was a child um officer mcgruff Ruff McGruff, take a bite out of crime um <laughs> and i was so scared of everyone <laughs> and like any even like a well-meaning adult who would like try to talk to me. I was like, <sighs> no, I remember like the visitors with you when we were very small and you'd just be like, Man, like don't talk to them. They're strangers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope I didn't transfer my like fear to you. Um, but no, no, also okay. I kept us safe. Yeah. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. yeah. We'd be like playing outside and someone would like make a passing comment. I was just like, get away from me. <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> so anyway, Dr. Sigmar really brought that out. Yeah. Bad vibes. Animals. Just no? like animals. animals. In this book. Um, a poor cat that we forgot about. Who's very scared by the boggart. Um, I will say like, Reading the book, I was like, I kind of want to have a boggart. It would be fun. Yeah. But I have four cats. Mm. and You already have a boggart, Exactly. <laughs> no, I know. Their collective energy, I think, at like 3 a.m. is technically a boggart. <laughs> we like, only have one cat. And her, I'm blessed because my husband gets up immediately to go like make her shush. And you're also a very sound sleeper. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, my in my home, we are all pretty light sleepers. And the way that we'll all come downstairs wild-eyed in the morning and be like, the cats are really at it last night. <laughs> no, I actually kind of like being woken up a little bit in the middle of the night because then I can, like, feel cozy and comfy in the bed and, like, fall asleep again. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I love you. I just... I know. If I wake up in the night, I'm done sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's 1 a.m. Um, so, yeah, not not a lot of creatures. And there's the very sad dog that, you know what, I don't even want to talk about nope. anymore. Nope. So we're done. Let's go right on to pretend food. Pretend food. The food is so fun in this book yeah. because we're getting to discover the joy of modern foodstuffs through an ancient Scottish mm-hmm. being's eyes. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a little bit about his love of peanut butter and jelly. I think it's very cute that he desperately wants to try a PB&J 
for himself, but he can only manage to steal little scoops of the jelly and peanut butter as a sandwich is being made. So he's never able to also get two pieces of bread. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he finally can get his hands on the stuff, he leaves it for Jessup. Yeah. Um, that actually made me like a little sad. I know. Cause he was trying really <laughs> he hard was, to like, be really nice. Trying. Yeah. There's nothing that bothers me more than someone being like really earnest in a piece of fiction and, and then, then it's misunderstood misunderstood yeah yep. yep I'm like getting upset just thinking yeah. about it which I guess is just a metaphor for my own life <laughs> I'm just kidding brutal I'm understood by <laughs> some but not by all not by all but by enough <laughs> I feel like that should be the new podcast tagline understood by enough <laughs> Um, he also has just an absolute reverie about hot fudge, which mm. is also how I feel about hot fudge. Yeah. In my college town, there was a, in Walla Walla, Washington, there was a, um, like drive-in place called Iceberg that I didn't like most of their stuff, but there was a better place called Fast Eddie's. Um, but they made a hot fudge shake. Um, and now I can never have any other kind of milkshake. Huh. And it wasn't chocolate sauce. It was hot fudge that they put in vanilla ice cream and then blended. So it had that extra richness and velvetiness. And that sounds amazing. The cream, the butter. Oh, my God. It's so good. So That sounds very good. Anyway, I do, I do totally understand the Boggart. And he loves ice cream. Um, the kids are also being very like... Scotland has nothing and they're like he probably never had ice cream before and then Tommy is defensive and he's like well McDevin would get ice cream sometimes <laughs> just had to eat it right away <laughs> because otherwise it would melt because he doesn't he have, have a, a fridge, fridge. <laughs> yeah yikes I no matter how amazing the castle is if there isn't a fridge specifically like I can do without lights and other like electrical conveniences but I need a refrigerator. Yeah, otherwise I at just least have a to sort eat of icebox situation. Exclusively dry goods, and that doesn't sound very much fun. Gross. Yeah. And any other Bogart beloved foods? Um, yeah, he loves sweets, and it's very, very fun imagining little globs of peanut butter just floating through the air and being snacked on, munched. Yum, yeah. yum, 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 yum. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I I really really enjoyed all of the food in the book, and also the food seems to be like one of the Boggart's main reasons and motivations. Period. Just, yeah. Period. His reason <laughs> is finding delicious food and sampling it, and I also got a little stuck on trying to understand how he eats because he's non-corporeal yes <laughs> <laughs> and he's like just an energetic force yeah um, but he figured it out somehow you know and clearly he doesn't have to eat it, it's one of those things where it's like he has a great time doing it so he makes it happen which really reminds me of um oh my god what am I thinking of Oh, I'm also thinking of Steven Universe again, because <laughs> the crystal gems don't need to eat, but Amethyst does it just for fun. Yeah. 
Okay, so um, badass lady meter. Oh, just uh, one little shout out to romantic realism. Having like a boy you met in Scotland on a family trip that you then like have a crush on from afar. And at the end of letters, you say like, with love is amazing. It's what every... It is very cute. It's what every 12-year-old wants. Yeah. I'm just going to say it right now. Yeah. So loved that for Tommy and Emily. Badass lady meter. Uh, my baddest lady is the Bogart. And <laughs> I am rating the Bogart... Five out of five jars of peanut butter. <laughs> I was about to say 10 out of 10 hot fudge sundaes. Really? I literally. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the Boggart is inspiring <laughs> something very specific. I love that. <laughs> um, my badass lady is Emily. I love Emily. She's very sweet. Um, and uh, like automatically that's going to be a kid that I enjoy one who wants to like go to the theater costume designer and like listen to his stories and hang out with him yeah <laughs> like yeah. just a sweet little nerd like I was saying um and I also appreciate that she maintains that she is not filled with adolescent rage that's giving her telekinetic powers <laughs> Um, she she isn't gaslit by Dr. Stigmore the way that he so clearly hopes that she will be. Yeah. My rating for Emily is two perfect vampire teeth that last throughout Halloween night. Nice. Thanks, baby. And then I'm giving just a bad lady meter ranking to Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> It's also, it is unfair because clearly the dad is not, um, like very really active parenting. in parenting. And when Jessup is sick, there's a really funny line that it's like, yeah, he, William decided that, that's his name, William, right? Yeah. Oh, no, that's Stigmo's name. Robert. Sorry. Um, a really funny line that's like, Robert decided that since both of his children were like, ill or laid up in some way he was going to come home and make volnick salad for them that's another food that we need to mention volnick salad volnick salad we don't get an actual description of it all we get is the narrator saying it's a family favorite and it's not made often because it requires lots of chopping of vegetables and i was like what family favorite vegetable salad is yes yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, the salad that that we loved as children was called shrimp salad. And do you know what was in shrimp salad? Pasta and mayonnaise. Mayonnaise <laughs> and shrimps. The tiny bit of celery. <laughs> and it, it actually worked well it, if you used uh, halved grapes instead of the shrimps, yes. too. Because then it was yeah, like, that, sweet. We eventually ended up with a vegetarian version. Um, and we made it with uh, artichoke hearts. And that was really good, mm, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I might have to make some shrimp salad, but, but anyway, there's, um, very little chopping of vegetables involved. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so clearly like Robert's not around much. He's like at the theater. He's very temperamental and grumpy when he is working. So Maggie has a lot on her plate. 
Um, and I get that she's the classic, like, mom, that's not getting the situation type character. You know what I mean? It's still frustrating to observe. But she is frustrating. And Stigmore should not have been allowed into the home, no. much less, like, alone with her daughter yeah. at any point. That was um, so bad. I Yeah. So I'm giving her a bad lady <laughs> rating um, of... Uh, a costume that you put on to cheer up your son who you grounded who you from grounded. going trick-or-treating. I maintain, no matter how bad the child crime, not letting them go trick-or-treating is really messed up. That's one day of the year and the most magical day. Watch and, any Bob's Burgers Halloween episode and you'll remember <laughs> what it feels like. And you have a limited amount of Halloweens where you can go trick-or-treating. Like, that wears off fast. Yeah, so just let them do it. <laughs> I, yes, I trick-or-treated past um, the socially accepted age that you should stop at. And my final year trick-or-treating, there were a lot of people that were like, hey, how old are you? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and I tried to look little. Okay, I think that's the end. This was a very fun Halloween episode. Yeah. Um, Madeline was picking the October book and I kept being really annoying and being like, make it spookier. <laughs> <laughs> so even though we hadn't read this I am delighted that it turned out to like be very Halloween centric I did not know that that was coming um, and we all had a good time yeah yeah I hope you did too if you want to listen to more dragon babies learn more about the pod or see any of the number of things that we mention in this episode visit our website dragonbabiespodcast.com you can also find us on instagram at dragonbabiespodcast and on twitter at dragonbabiespod and if you have a bone to pick with us you can email us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com a bone to pick with us <laughs> that's right i'm inviting anger Check out my art Instagram. I'm going to be posting some fantasy fan art instead of my usual stuff, but I'm very excited about it. That's Pig, awesome. Pig and Noodles, P-I-G-N-D-O-O-D-L-E-S. Nice. I hope you all have a wonderful, safe, and very happy Halloween. Ooh. And if you haven't carved your pumpkin yet, you know what to do. Stabby stab. Stabby stab. <laughs> I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>